This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Welcome to the Nakuda podcast for Parshas Kleirach. This Parsha is uh, quite relevant, I think. Um, pretty easy to see the relevance for modern day. We're always faced you know, throughout the world, not only among Jews, but you know, it's just about every country is uh, has to face the same problems in this area of one thing, machloikis, that there's uh, disagreements when it comes to running society. And uh, also in terms of um, power struggles and all kinds of political issues that come up in uh, the leadership of any any political entity. <clears throat> so this has been, you know, from the very beginning of time until the present, and uh, both in Jewish societies and every other society as well. So um, the content, continuation continuation that we have from last week is in the area of the concept of shlichus. We talked about last time the idea that because the uh, meraglim were sent as shluchim of Hashem, basically, and certainly Moshe Rabbeinu, to be able to uh, check out the situation in Eretz Yisrael that they were coming into, uh, they really had the power of Hashem Himself behind them because of the fact that they were shluchim; they were they were being sent on a mission. Therefore, they didn't really have anything to do with them personally, and their and even the uh, the uh, presumed strength and ability of Klal to be able to uh, carry off you know carry out this mission of taking over the land. Uh, the whole idea was that since they were simply messengers on a mission, that they were basically butle. They didn't have any uh, personal identity that required, you know, that they should think about can we be successful or not. It was really the question. So here we have another situation where Moshe Rabbeinu is faced with um, those that are questioning his... Uh, his authority and his um, uh, the fact that he was a shliach at all of Hashem. Maybe he was just making decisions on his own. Maybe he was making decisions uh, without really having been told by Hashem to do these things. And that really became the major issue. Uh, the only thing is, is that we have a couple issues here that were brought up by uh, Korach and his uh, his his group that held with him, uh, including, of course, uh, Dosan and Aviram, who were outspoken critics of Moshe Bader from the very beginning, back in Mitzrayim even. So this, this goes back a long time. And Korach himself was born into the uh, tribe of Levi, therefore, and, and, and already bore an important... A position there, so he was not being uh, neglected in any way. I mean, he already had uh, a significant responsibility. He wasn't coming from nowhere. Um, and the idea was that the issues that were being brought to the table in terms of, uh, again, Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, competence or his authority, if he was really uh, bringing these decisions directly from Hashem or not, 
and also the question of the kahuna in general, whether it was um, just a case of nepotism or it was really something that was um, the right way to handle the religious leadership of the and, 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 and uh, structure of the whole people. Um, he was presenting more of a kind of an anarchical um, system, whereby if a system at all, where everybody would just says that everybody's holy, so therefore uh, everybody's equally qualified to be able to do things as uh, as complicated and dangerous as the uh, the ritual of the Ketoidus, um which we already know the power involved there. So. Of and all that stuff. So the point is that these were the issues that were being brought up, brought to the table. There's also the, the Midrashim about Koirach uh, questioning Mojavini's uh, decisions on things like, you know, Baismolis Furim and Begit Zekula Techelis and all these kinds of questions which he was ridiculing the decisions that were being made on halachic issues. So really questioning, again, if Moshe Benin was really qualified to lead the, the people with these things. So these were the, ostensibly the issues involved. But Rashi brings from the Medrashtan Chima and, and uh, sources that this was not really what was behind the whole thing. Um, what really set off this whole, this whole rebellion was the decision of Moshe Rabbeinu to appoint someone younger than, and, and apparently not as directly related, uh, to a, a higher position in the Shevet Levi than Koirach. It was, Koirach was personally insulted. He was personally um, took offense at a decision that Moshe Rabbeinu made, uh, obviously Al-Pil that Hashem told him to make, to, that this was the decision to make, uh, in in filling a particular position in the Shevet Levi itself. So he had a personal grudge, a, pers- a personal uh, um, kind of a vendetta that made uh, this uh, something that was something in his, in his heart as well as just his mind. It was something that he had a p- particular grudge against Moshe Vaini that he wanted to uh, take out on him. And uh, you could say that... You know, the whole issue, everything was exacerbated, especially in the case of the uh, uh, the others, Shvotim, by the whole problem after the Miraglim, that since they weren't told that they were going to die in the desert, and like most of the people say that, you know, we were, you took us out of the land of uh, flowing with with milk and honey, being Mitzrayim, and brought us into the desert, and now we're going to die here, basically. So, you know, that, that shows a certain, as far as he was concerned, showed a certain incompetence. And uh, and a, another challenge to the, the leadership abilities. So the whole thing was was a much deeper resentment and and jealousy and the whole thing that that as far as Koyach um, uh, had this ruach Koyach to be able to see that ultimately his descendants would would compete in in, in uh, would would be on the level of Shmuel Hanavi in terms of their their um, significance and their their role. So he looked at himself as being, uh, and Klaus Yisrael in general looked at him as being a very competent, very uh, big Tamachochum, a brilliant person, uh, leadership potential, and all that stuff. So he, if, for a person who's looking at the whole question of leadership in terms of who is more qualified, uh, he considers himself to be just as, uh, as qualified as Moshe Benny, if not more. So basically, the, the rebellion against 
the position of Aharon and and Moshe was based on something much much more personal issues than those that were being expressed openly. Um, the question is, why did he choose this particular approach? So it's a pretty universal thing that we see even among the nations of the world that, uh, especially in the times of monarchies, when people were, when, when uh, there was a ruling family that, you know, from generation to generation, they were the ones who, who ruled the kingdom. So a person who was born out of the, that family and was uh, somebody, a commoner, a person who was not, did not have that kind of yichus, that kind of uh, lineage, um, the only way for, if he had, you know, aspirations to power, the only way for him to get that power was, coming from the outside like that, was to, uh, was to lead a popular revolution where he's basically saying, you know, the, we're being oppressed and uh, the people are, uh, the Michelles should be in power and, and you know, this, this uh, ruling uh, elite should be thrown out. Um, they're basically saying everybody is equally good and, you know, we should all, the people, the power should be the people. People should have the power. So you see this, you know, in the French Revolution, you see this in the, the Communist Revolution, you see it's all over the place that, you know, oh, we're gonna, all going to be equals and everybody's going to be the same. No, no leadership, basically, even, even today, of the, you know, defund the police and stuff like that. It's all these popularist um, revolutions. They don't really talk about, you know, well, who's going to take over after you threw the old guys out, then who's going to be in power? And of course, you know, so you had this, this uh, they called it the um, this bloodbath, you know, that, that, uh, that came after the French Revolution until eventually Napoleon took over and then just made himself king. So the idea, if, you, if you're coming in from the outside, you want to lead a revolution which is going to throw out the existing leaders, and then because you're leading the revolution... So then you're the, mo- the best person in place to take over after those leaders are thrown out, and then you can yourself become the leader, and you can even you know, make yourself king and then appoint your own children to be kings after you. So this is basically what was going on. So if, if they were proposing to throw out Moshe Rabbeinu, then they could uh, have in mind to take over themselves, and uh, they would be the next, in, you know, natural people taken in, to take to take into power. I mean, Korach in particular, because he was already born into the shape of Levi, so he would seem to be, you know, qualified to take on the religious role as well. Um, in any case, this is uh, the 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 mahalach, the, the 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 method that was being employed to take over politically was a pretty typical one and has a lot of uh, uh, precedence that I mean, no precedence then maybe because it was pretty early on in human history but uh, certainly now you know we see that kind of thing happening having happened many many times <clears throat> so then the question becomes you know is leadership what is what is different about <clears throat> the leadership of the Jewish people and leadership of uh, uh, just a, a regular country. Um, it's interesting to the, the Haftoyer talks about uh, Shmuel and Avi and the crowning of Shaul and Melech and how Shmuel and Avi was very much against it. And one could see there that he was questioning the whole necessity um, of having a king bechlau. This this idea of a popular king and and uh, uh, choosing a king and and all the problems that 
you know, can result from having a king, which indeed did, indeed did uh, play themselves out. And we saw what, what happened with, uh, with David Melech and how Shoal eventually uh, pursued him because he, he him as a, saw, saw him as a threat to the throne, um, a threat to his being able to keep power for his own children. And um, that's basically the, exactly what happened in that case. So Shmuel Levy was saying, you know, look, the idea of a leader of the Jewish people is he is, again, this idea of a shaliach. He is a, a messenger sent from Hashem for a particular situation. You have a particular threat that's involved. You take a person who's qualified for, to, to lead us out of that particular threat situation. And uh, he uh, he handles the crisis, and then, you know, go, things go back to normal. But you don't have to necessarily have somebody who's installed in a position of power, and then that power becomes a self-perpetuating uh, position, which uh, involves a lot of problems, because then people become obsessed with the power itself, and power corrupts, and uh, people can, can get into trouble. Whereas when things are just... On, a, on the basis of necessity that you have a leader temporary and temporarily in place basically to handle the situation. You have a judge, somebody who's there to, to, to you know, install for legal situations to retain order, but not with all the trappings of, the, of, the, uh, of, of being a king. Um, and that's those trappings and that, that authority figure it was exactly what the Jewish people was looking for. And, you know, Eventually got them into trouble, and they say we said they say that Sholemelech himself, you know, although he was very reticent to take that power to begin with, once he had it, he wanted to keep it, and that's a very uh, typical thing for people to fall into, no matter what how high their level is. Um, and then there's the point of you know the, the challenge to Aaron a coin. So that was uh, like Moshevini said, you know, Aaron Mahi, you know, what? Who is he? He's the, like the most uh, most humble person on earth. He doesn't make anything so out of himself, and you're 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 jealous of his power that he's supposed to be, you know, as if he try he he himself was looking for this. I mean, he would be very happy not having to have this kind of responsibility at all. But obviously, Hashem put him in that position. He didn't have a choice about it. So the idea is basically again, a shaliach is a person who's transparent. He doesn't have any any uh, ulterior motives. He's not getting anything particularly out of it. He's just, Hashem told him to do it, so he's doing what Hashem told him to do. And that was uh, Harun Kohen who always had that, that, that uh, uh, attitude. And then there comes the question of why is it necessary to have Kohanim and Levim all together? And what do they represent? And we're told, uh, Michael Ephraim talks about this at the, um, uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, there's the concept of, of Hamtakas Adinim, where the, we've talked about this before, that the world is created with Gvura, with uh, Din, and um, in order for the Din to be tempered, to be controlled, it has to be in the service of Chesed. So the Kohanim represent Chesed, and the Levim represent uh, Din, and the Gvura of the uh, of, of the Levim, when the Levim are put in the service of the Kohanim, they're they're uh, backing up the Kohanim. That's the idea of subordinating the Din and the Gvura to the Chesed, um, and that's why we see that only the Kohanim are allowed to bring the Ketoris, because the Ketoris, the whole idea of the Ketoris would be Mamtik Dinim, so it has to be with a force of Chesed behind it, represented by the Kohanim. That's when nobody else can can bring the the, the Ketoris except 
for the Kohanim. So when the, they had the, the test of uh, people that weren't even Levium bringing, trying to bring the Ketoidus and see what happened, and it was disastrous. Whereas when Aaron Akoin brought the Ketoidus to save the people from the Magefa that was that had, that had uh, sprouted up, uh, it was effective because he was, uh, the power of Chesed was behind the, uh, the Ketoidus, and that's, that's what made it work. To harness the power of the Ketoyus for a, for a productive thing as opposed to becoming destructive. So the, 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 um, uh, the setup, the reason why there had to be Kohanim and Levium was based on something that was, goes back to the creation of the world itself and, and to the, the basic, uh, DNA, DNA, the, 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 uh, spiritual essence of the Kahanim and Levium as a whole, who they were and how Hashem set that up. So it's not a question of choice and it's not a question of who's more qualified and it's not a question of, of uh, all these other considerations. Hashem has his specific messengers for particular times and particular situations. Like uh, when Shmuel talks about, you know, the, the Shoftim that had served Klalisrol, he mentioned specifically uh, Gidon and... Um, and uh, Yiftach and Shimshon, none of which were known to be great Talmud Chachomim and great, you know, people that you would have necessarily, I mean, they, they had uh, the physical strength or whatever, or the, the, uh, the military, you know, ability to be able to, to be uh, military leaders, but not the kind of people that you would necessarily take on as a king in terms of their spiritual, you know, level or whatever, as we would normally uh, see that from the outside. So the point is that, that, People were selected. Hashem selects his messages for specific situations, uh, for specific times. And the fact is the whole idea of the malchus, the idea of, of, of malchus as a whole, didn't really um, take shape until David Melech, because he was a descendant of, of the Shevet Yehuda. And the whole idea of malchus was, was associated with Yehuda and was, was supposed to, you know, again, according to the spheres of the, of the tribes and everything else, uh, that was their dominion, and uh, and uh, that they weren't really even supposed to even have any of Malchus until David Melch came came on the scene. And then you know, and you look at the, the history of the Malchus, it also didn't turn out so great because you know, David Melch and Shlomo Melch, and and uh, already by the time Shlomo Melch had passed his. His his uh, uh, kingship to the next generation, everything started falling apart, and then you had the ten tribes and the whole thing, and it, it was really a mess. So, in any case, and then this is the time of the second temple, you had all the Romans getting involved, and it became totally corrupt. So, this whole issue of of leadership is a very complicated one, and especially uh, Degel talks about this idea that a tzaddik is uh, is one that is, uh, represents the Mida of Yesoid, and Yesoid is associated with Sholem. And the whole idea of a leader is to be able to bring Sholem between two extremes, between the sides. We have the Chesed and or whatever, just like Aish uh, and Maim combined together to create Shemaim. There's an idea that, that to create true Sholem, you have to be able to take two opposite sides and bring them together into the same, uh, to become one unity. So, 
bringing unity. So the tzaddik, the leader, is really supposed to be bringing unity. If he's bringing machloikas, if he's causing people to to split apart just so that he should be able to get into control, that's already a pretty good uh, indication that he's not on the level of a tzaddik and that he's not really um, the one that's the proper leader for Klal Yisrael. So that's already uh, a pretty good indication that we should stay away from such a person if the only way that they can get into power is by sowing machloikas. And this is also a, a possible way of explaining why, if eventually they would do the uh, the test with the staffs to show that Aaron coin was was intended from Hashem himself to be, be to be the coin, um, that why did they do that to begin with and avoid the whole conflict? But the fact is that for, for a few reasons. First of all, that Moshe Rabbeinu was seeking a solution which would. Uh, prevent Klali's soul from being destroyed because Hashem was ready to destroy the whole people. I mean, at least he threatened to. Uh, and they said, you know, the, uh, just, you know, punish those that were directly involved, not the whole people. So uh, that destruction was limited to only Korach and his, and his supporters and not the whole of Klali's soul. So that's one thing. Um, so it was, you know, it was rescuing the Klali's soul from destruction, number one. Number two, there, there, obviously, because this went much deeper than a specific problem against against Arna Coin. Even it, it wasn't a question of proving a point or or discussing an issue or even having debates about something. It, it was it didn't matter how much you would try to show uh, these these opponents these these uh, these uh, leaders of the rebellion that uh, that they were wrong. There again, there because the reasons were so. Unrelated to the tightness that they had, they wouldn't have listened anyway, and it would have just come back again. And they were being machtias or rabim; they were causing other people to do averes as well. And it was pushed, you know, to save to save the rest of Klalisol was necessary to take such a drastic action. So, you know, we can see again, and, and the Torah points out the tremendous dis- destructive nature of machloikis, bringing this kinds of this kind of division that had led to whole families being wiped out, you know, men, women, and children. Um, because that's that's what it ultimately leads to when when you unleash the power of such a uh, a destructive force. So Hashem uh, should help us that we should you know uh, that you should you should guide us to the uh, proper leadership and to minimize uh, the uh, the whole destructiveness of of these uh, problems of of um, of machloikis and determining leadership and uh, we should try to be as same shemaim as we possibly can and uh, be as be bishulam in all of these uh, kinds of decisions.